Hey friends, are you in search of something special to set your portraits apart? If you are, I'm excited to share Willow Canvas with you. Willow Canvas is a mother-owned company that creates beautiful, hand-painted fine art backdrops. Willow Canvas offers a wide range of sizes to fit your space, whether you're traveling or in the studio. Each Willow Canvas is soft and neutral with a texture and tone that will complement your branding. Sarah, the artist behind Willow Canvas, is one of our favorites. She's so sweet and kind and dedicated to delivering personalized customer service with three ordering options, ready to ship, custom, or pre-order based on your chosen hues and textures. All of us at the Motherhood Anthology absolutely love Willow Canvas for its amazing customer service, beautiful colors, and exceptional quality. Discover the magic of Willow Canvas by heading over to their website at willowcanvasbackdrops.com browse their beautiful galleries, and start creating the perfect backdrop for your photography. Find them on Instagram at willow underscore canvas or visit willowcanvasbackdrops.com and join their email list for a 10% discount on your purchase today. Because when we say, yes, I'll add more sessions because I feel bad or whatever, I'll add this session. Are you saying no to dinner with your kid again? Or are you saying no to missing, I'm going to miss your kid's baseball game or just tucking them in at night? What, where are you saying because of your yes, what, what does that mean you're saying no to? Hey friends, today I'm excited to talk with Katie Lamb, photographer and educator. And we're going to chat all about one of my favorite subjects, defining what success means to you and letting that be the foundation of how your business is built and sustained. So if you don't know Katie, Katie's based in Dallas, Texas. She's a wife and a mom of three. She graduated from Baylor University with a degree in fine art photography. And as she lived out her life's passion in China, Africa, Europe, and everywhere in between, she used photography and videography to bring awareness to the international orphan crisis through various mission-based organizations. Then in 2008, she launched her photography business and through the years of building her brand and learning the ins and outs of running a successful and sustainable photography business, she found a passion for helping others do the same through workshops, one-on-one -on -one mentor sessions, and online courses. And for the last 10 years, business and photography education has been the core passion and primary focus of her brand. So now I present to you episode number 64 of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Welcome, Katie. I've been wanting to talk to you for a good long while. You're one of my favorite people. Oh, thank you. I feel the same about you. I think that's a, a testament to um, how good you are at, at your job and your business and your branding is that you're one of those people that I think people feel like they know and love and they probably have never even met you. Thank you. Yeah. I am very excited to talk to you today about you sent me a few things that you were, you wanted to as options maybe to talk about. Yeah. And one of them was just about defining success. And I don't know if you've listened to the podcast, but at the end of every episode, that's the question that I ask. I always like to ask people, how do they define success? Because I think we all get so busy in life. Just sometimes we forget what it's all for. And we never really, we think we're always going to reach that moment where we think we've made it. And the older I get, the more I realize that I don't think that moment's ever coming. Yeah. But before we dive into all that, I want you, 
See, I, I'm just assuming that everybody knows you. For those of you that might not know you here, so let's, if you would, just tell them about yourself and your business and how you got started and all the things. Absolutely. So I, my name is Katie Lamb and I majored in fine art photography at Baylor University and graduated back in 2008. Never dreamed I'd even have my own photography business. That's not the approach I planned to take. I had planned to serve and live overseas and use uh, video and photography to uh, document the different mission organizations and international orphan crisis around the world. And I did that for a long time all over the world and loved it. But then it wasn't God's plan for us to live overseas or keep doing that. So I did start my business and mainly I started it to fund a lot of my mission organizations. And then that led to me growing a passion for having a photography business. So I started that 2008 and then I started the education side of my business in 2013. I am a wife and a mom of eight-year-old twins and a three-year-old and I live in Dallas, Texas. You're a busy girl. Very busy girl. (laughs) (laughs) I always like when I watch you and follow you, I always think, uh, I, actually, in, in researching for this, I found out that you're an Enneagram three, but I always think, oh, she's got to be a one or a three because you're just so good <laughs> at getting everything done and Thank very you. impressive yes, for a two like I'm, me that's all over the place. <laughs> I'm definitely a hard three. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that too, because I have some questions about how you get it all done, but um, let's just start Let's start talking about this idea of defining success and why you think that's important. Absolutely. So I think you had mentioned like we can get so busy just in our lives and in our businesses that we don't even really know what we're striving for. We can start thinking it's all monetary and our only goal is reaching a certain income. And I think that's like the biggest way to set yourself up for failure and to feel burnt out and overwhelmed. So for me, I believe that defining what success means to you is so crucial. And also realizing that what one person may define as success may be someone else's failure. And I think it's just so important to, to know that and be able to define that because otherwise, what filter are we running all of our business decisions through? Because knowing what's important is what really helps us guide us as we're making business decisions. And it also helps us know what we're even celebrating, what big and small things are worth celebrating, or even more importantly, probably is what things in our businesses are driving us away from our measures of success and what should we reevaluate? Yeah. Okay. So I said, normally I ask this question at the end, but I think it would be cool to ask, ask at the beginning. So Katie, how do you define success? For me, first and foremost, it's success. If I look back at my life, being successful means that I've loved others well, and I was present with my family. So in terms of my business, that means setting my business up in a way that allows me to be as profitable as possible and working the limited amount of time as possible so that I'm not sacrificing time with my own children, especially right now. My kids are so young still. I want to be fully present when they are home. Do we start by talking about how to even define what success means to you? Or I think that's how I came upon that question that I ask everyone, because 
And especially this time of year, I think we're all like winding down. We're tired. We're thinking about what we're going to do differently next year. Like where do, of all the courses that are out there these days, I always think there should be a course and there probably is that kind of walks you through defining success to you. Like there are courses that walk us through our money mindset and like, how do we define what's enough and what we need? But I would just love it to have a course or a retreat that would walk me through, like, how do I look at my life and define what that means? So how do you think, do you have any advice on digging deep and defining that for ourselves? Absolutely. So this is a huge pillar of my own business and everything I operate comes from this question. And we've actually, we've built a framework for this inside of one of our courses, actually. Oh, cool. Um, but I agree that there's so many other topics and courses like this one, I think are the starting place for where your business should come from. I agree. It'd be awesome to see something like that. But I think first and foremost, it comes setting aside time and space to really think through this and not just listening to this podcast. And while we're talking, you're thinking, okay, what's important to me? I think it's putting it on your calendar and getting to yourself and thinking through what matters to you. And especially bringing in someone talking through it with someone that knows you and loves you well, whether it's a friend or a spouse. And for me, I start by looking outside my business. So sit down and think, pretend you're 85 years old and you're looking back at your life, what do you want to see? If you want to look back and see that you loved and served others well, then in business terms, how can you adjust your client experience to reflect that? Or if you want to look back and see that you are present with your family and your children, what boundaries can you put in your business to ensure that happens? And so these are obviously the big picture success markers, but once you have your big picture success markers, then you want to start on your small picture success markers that reflect that big picture. So things like the specifics of your business, setting your revenue goals, setting your profit per client, because profit per client matters greatly whenever you're talking about how many sessions you're going to have to take each week and therefore how often you're away from your own family, the amount of sessions you want to shoot, things like that. So I think it really comes from stepping outside of your business and really looking back, pretending you're ahead and looking back and what do you want your life to have looked like? I think about my own business through the years and just to be real honest, um, I never defined that enough or that number, or I was never great at the number side of things. So I, I really didn't, I just felt like I rat on a wheel all the time. I just got to keep going because if I stop, the money stops. And I think it wasn't until I started listening to Shanna Skidmore and she talks about defining that enough number what do you need before you can rest and then working backwards from that number? And I bet you there's a lot of, especially like newbies with lots of energy in the beginning that are just like, just got to hustle. Yes. We've all been there. We've all been there. (laughs) When you get older and you could look back, you look at those folks and you go, "Uh let's see how long it's going to take before they hit that wall. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yes. Oh, if you're new and you're listening, listen to us more seasoned photographers and save yourself some burnout and go ahead and figure out what that number is for you. What's your goal and how can you work backwards from that number next year and plug all that in? We talked a little bit about, I guess that hits on the next point of that definition of success changing through the years. Has that happened for you? Oh, for sure. 
I think just like anything in life, there's seasons, right? And so success is going to look different. I think your overall look at life, those big picture success markers, I think those, especially once you get a little older, I think just the experience, like you, you want to look back at your life and see, I think how I would define what I want to look back and see now compared to I'm almost 40. And then back whenever I was 20, I think I have a better viewpoint of what matters now, but I think there's the small picture of success markers that is going to change. Like, for example, before I had kids and had a family, I had so much freedom (laughs) and so much time. Right. And so that those success markers there would be different than now. Like first and foremost, like I want the majority of my time spent with my family and not working, like working is not what defines me. And so I think it's totally normal that in seasons, it's going to look different. It's going to look different when you're a mom of preschoolers than it is when you're a mom of elementary age kids or high school age kids, like it is going to change and that's totally normal. And it's, it's a good thing to keep reevaluating over the years to see where your business needs to change to reflect your current season of life. I think we touched on this a little bit, but if you would just speak to the person that's listening today, that because I definitely was there. We It's good and fine to talk about balance and defining what success means and not working all the time. But there was definitely a season where I didn't have a choice. I had, you know, I had to pay the bills and I had a kid in, let's say a kid in preschool, a kid in private school and a kid in college. Speak to that person. That's just, they just don't see an end in sight because I think we probably all hit that wall too, where it's, I can't keep doing this. I'm working as hard as I can work and it's barely enough. And how do I stop this? Yeah. Cause it gets into a cycle and I totally get that. I've been there in my business where it's okay, but I have to, (laughs) I've been there and I know how that feels and it's, you can feel so trapped. And so you don't know the next step to take, or you don't even have a time to take the next step type thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I can so relate to that. And I think for me, it was when I got to that point and it, for me, it was going into like, when we were about to start a family, I knew I could not keep up with what I was doing, but I didn't want our, my income to suffer. So it was really trying to map out, okay, what does this mean needs to change? So having my success markers, knowing what those are, what can I do to at least start trying to make progress towards that success and making changes that are more sustainable for me. And so for me, that meant that I needed to implement like workflows, services, and boundaries that supported that could still, I still have to generate income. I have to keep going. But what can I do that's going to drive me towards my success markers, but not burn out? So it was uh, once, especially once I had kids, it was, and especially once they're into elementary school, things like booking sessions when they're in school, rather than so many sessions, like in the evenings. Biggest thing for me above all was always increasing my profit per client rather than increasing the amount of sessions. So really focusing in on, okay, how can I serve them the best that I can and give them more value and increase my profit per client so that I'm not having to shoot constantly and burning myself out. And with that comes figuring out how to minimize my session and editing time. 
Because not only are you gone for those sessions, obviously, I think a big stressor for photographers comes from all the editing that builds up, especially if you're a mom of little ones, like you're probably exhausting yourself to 1am editing because you're trying to edit when they're sleeping. So figuring out how to get that editing time down and then say all throughout that everything just filtered through that success marker. How can I automate communication from start to finish? How can I, where can I outsource? Are there areas that I could outsource that the time that I would save would allow me to generate additional income somehow? I could go on about all the different ways that, that I decided that I needed to make a change while that I was going to keep me sustainable. And then a huge one was about 10 years ago was when I realized really implemented diversifying my income. I was very intentional about it. I didn't want to be hundred percent reliable on session revenue. And I think a lot of people really saw this come COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> how important that was. And I highly doubt we're going to see another pandemic the way we did before, but we're heading into a recession. What does that look like for, for photographers? Mm-hmm. So I think really diversifying your income like that, that only helps everybody. There's no one that I would probably say, oh, no, you don't need to diversify your income. <laughs> I right. think it's always a smart decision. But then also knowing like what you said, if you don't feel like there's an end in sight, one, I think every, just remembering there are seasons and you are going to go through harder seasons of your business. But if you can remind yourself, it's not forever, but there also, you have to make steps, right? If you want out, if you want to change to it, you've got to make a plan to actually get to that point. Okay. I have a few questions about that, that you just said, let's go back to profit per client. So would you share a few things in your own business that you do to maximize that profit per client or, are there, what are your offerings for your client or like, how do you approach that in your own business? The biggest one for me is my brand is known for my session videos. So within a photography session, they're getting photos Because for me, I'm not a product-based photographer, although their video technically is a product because they get a linen bound album that has their video in it. But otherwise, like I'm very digitally based. And so how can someone that's a digital-based photographer really increase their profit per client? And so for me, it was session videos. That is not something that they can get with their digital files, right? So is that an upgrade or that is automatically included in your session? I have two collection options. And so the first one is just photography. And then the second one is photos and video. And my goal is that everyone does photos and videos and about 80 to 85% of people do. And so that's really my goal is to have them. That's what I love. I love video. So that's a huge part of increasing the profit per client, as well as offering upgrades. And my upgrades are a means of upgrading to more images since I'm not doing products. So how's that set up for you? Would you share that? Cause I know people would love to know that. Yes. So I have like my collection one includes 40 images and then collection two with the video includes 50 images. Most galleries, it just depends, but most galleries include about 80 images. I don't personally give the option to pay per image to upgrade. It's all or nothing. That just keeps it simple. The upgrade is depending on the number of images, but on average, it's about 350 to upgrade, 350 to 450 to upgrade to your, to the full gallery. I want my target goal is hundred percent of people upgrading. And the key for that one diversity in your images. I don't want any image in that gallery to look similar to the net. If you have similar images, pick the best one and move on. 
because if you have similar ones and their eyes are more drawn to having to choose which one mm-hmm. I want them all to be so different. I want every image that is in that gallery to hold up to the Katie Lamb brand and standards. And I also randomized my galleries. That one was a huge, when I did that, I started doing that about five years ago. That was a huge <laughs> difference okay. in the amount of people that upgraded because when they're randomized, they can't compare side by side. Mm-hmm. Of, you're probably in a similar setting, even if the image is different. Randomizing was a huge point of that to encourage them to upgrade as well. Do you use PicTime or Pixie Set? I currently use Pixie Set, but I'm actually in the process of changing. The guys at Session, when they release their galleries, we've been talking with them as they were building that out. And mm-hmm. I just took a lot of feedback because I that's how I offer them since I'm not product-based. And they did a phenomenal job with it. And so I'm actually switching over to session. And I'm super excited about it because they made it for photographers like me that don't focus on products. They made the selling of the upsell so much easier and so much more streamlined that I'm super excited about it. So. Oh, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. So that was my next question is logistically, how do you set that up so that in their gallery, so that if they choose the full gallery, how is that set up? So with Pixie set, I was setting it up there's so many ways you can do it. I just don't think it was super streamlined on that approach or it was a little confusing, but so for me, I was setting it up that they would simply just make a favorites folder, select their 40 favorites. Let me know when they're done. And I send the download to it or just let me know if they want to upgrade to the full gallery. And then I would invoice them, send them the whole thing. But with session now, they've you you set that up on the back end, like how many images they get, they click them and download them or they can pay to upgrade and you can set it for per image or for the whole gallery. And just so it's hard to explain, but the way that they've set it up is so visually appealing and so quick. And so they've just, they've streamlined the visual process of clients upgrading that there's no confusion. It's a quick sale. So that's how I plan to do it starting next year. That's exciting. That'll be handy. For sure. Especially even if you don't, offer, if you are product-based, you want to keep with pick time, pixie set, all of those, even mm-hmm. if you're just using, if you're already using session, I know a lot of people just use it for mini sessions and you're probably not pushing product for mini sessions. And not everybody is, you could just use it for that and use your galleries for that because they all, I mean, I could go on forever, but the way they've set up the galleries, like all your mini sessions are in one folder kind of thing in there. And mm-hmm. as far as their galleries, you, so you could always use it just for that. And I really think it'll help a lot of people get a a higher upsell rate for sure. Is there a reason you choose not to offer products? It just doesn't meet one of my success markers. Like it, it would involve more time. And for me, I want to keep my time per client pretty low. And Mm -hmm. so that's really a big reason of it. And I've just never been something it's not to me. I don't view success for me as a client getting an end physical product in their hand, aside from the session video album. So I think it's just more that I'm able to get my profit per client where I need it to be without having to offer any product. So for me, it was just never a need to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you offer um, suggestions for printing? So they can, obviously, since I've been using Pixie set, they they just print through their galleries. Technically I offer product because they can print directly through there, but it's drop shipped. I'm not handling any of it. Okay. And so they do, they can do that. I'm just not creating albums or framed prints or anything like that. 
And you also mentioned a big shift for you was when you started to diversify your business. And I think you do such a great job of that. I think you do a lot more than people realize because I think people at this point think photography and education, but you've done done a lot along the way. Would you share a little bit of that? Sure. Education is a huge, that's 75% of my brand now, but there's, I think a lot of people think photographers think of diversifying your income and the only route they really see is education. And they're like, I don't want to do that. Well, there's so many other avenues that you can go through. Affiliate income is a great one. So that's one that I've done for a long time. So obviously affiliate income for like smaller sales dresses or anything like that, it's smaller income. But for some people, it may be like, okay, it's an extra hundred bucks a month. Great. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of affiliate programs for bigger price things. If you're an affiliate for a course for someone, that's a great one. That one you may make $150 per sale. So affiliate income is a great one. I've done that one. Partnering with brands. You have a gift. If you're a photographer, you are gifted (laughs) and every business needs a photographer and thinking through different ways that using that to partner with brands. And whether that's, so when I was doing it, I did home renovations. And so for a while there, for a few years there, my account was half photography, half home renovations. So back then I was partnering with a lot of brands when I was building things in my homes and things like that. But yeah, so affiliate income's great. Whether you do education, mentor sessions, whatever on that route, you, there's stock photography options. There's, I've seen a lot of photographers like be super successful taking beautiful pictures of like landscapes or still lifes or things like that. And then selling the digital downloads on like Etsy or their own um, websites for people to frame and put in their own home. So there's just so many ways to go about it. Just think about your gift of photography and try to think outside of what you do. And if there a way to set up a passive or semi-passive income stream that you can use your gift for that's outside of just what you're currently doing. Yeah, I know boundaries are a big, a big deal as far as defining success and actually implementing it and sticking to it. And what are your boundaries, Katie? (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your boundaries. (laughs) So I think there's a lot of little things that now to me, they were always just common sense. Like clients aren't texting me, but now those lines have been blurred so much over the past decade, probably with photographers, I think just because the generation and technology and everything like that. But for me, that is a rule. That's a little tiny one, but I have a day of contact number, but otherwise like any communication goes through email type thing. But my big boundaries, I'd say as far as shooting goes is I don't shoot weekends. I only shoot Monday through Thursday. Um, I only shoot once a week and I don't add sessions or openings to my calendar once it's booked. And I seen a lot of friends that will say, okay, this fall, next fall, I'm doing it. I'm only going to limit my calendar to X amount of sessions. And then come fall, they're like, oh, I just, this client, like they've been my client forever and they just late to booking. I just, I had to add another one. And then before you know it, they've way overbooked themselves. So for me, like it's not just setting the boundaries, but you have to keep them. And I hear a lot of people just say, I'm just not good at saying no. And in my mind, it's, yeah, you are. You're just putting your nose in the wrong places. One of my favorite quotes says, when you say yes, when you say yes to something, you are always inadvertently saying no to something else. Choose wisely. So when you're saying yes to whatever it is, I think it's so important to always think through, okay, what does this yes mean I'm saying no to? 
And usually I feel like we often place that no on our own families, because when we say, yes, I'll add more sessions because I feel bad or whatever, I'll add this session. Are you saying no to dinner with your kid again? Or are you saying no to missing? I'm going to miss your kid's baseball game or just tucking them in at night. What, where are you saying because of your yes? What, what does that mean? You're saying no to. That's true. The busier you get, the more um, you really start to see that. Like there's only so much time. And once you fill it up, it, like you said, it's always our family. And I think for anyone that's um, been busy for very long, I think that's when you start to not enjoy your business any longer, or you start to resent it in a way, because I know when I was shooting so many weddings, one side of my brain would say, it's just one day a week. I can make so much money. It's just one day. And then, but life happens on Saturdays. And as your kids get older, that's when sports happens. That's when families have breakfast together at Waffle House. That's when all the things and you start to resent um, not being with your family on that day. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Okay. So you've told us that your definition of success is um, having time with your family and how do you, because we also said you're a three and um, you're very um, productive and efficient. Tell us how you structure your days and your week to get the most done. Sure. First, I would say planning and not just winging. <laughs> we set our year calendar in December. So we actually just did this. So we set our 2024 calendar for the whole year. We plan, we mapped out our whole year. And then that way, then once we map that out, we break it down by quarter. And then we can all start breaking that down by month, by week, by day. So for me, it's all my days are accounted for from the beginning so that there's no wasted time wondering what do I do next? Because I feel like so much of uh, a lack of productivity comes from just not really knowing where to start. Or you just can't get started, but having a clear defined plan of your days is huge for that. I don't have time to waste. I have very Mm -hmm. minimal work hours being able to sit down and get started. So that's number one, two, I'd say automation. I want to be hands off whenever it is possible throughout my whole business. If it is possible to automate it, I want it automated. And then three is batch working, which I think a lot of people are catching on to because really seeing the, how productive you can be. So like, for example, like with reels, if I'm going to create, if I were to sit down and be like, Oh, I need to make a reel today. Cause we try to post at least one a day. If I was going to post one, that would take a significant time suck to get in the mindset. First of all, to make the, I think that's a lot of it. It's just getting in the mm-hmm. mindset to create the reel, post the reel. And as that took up a portion of my day, so we do a lot of batch working where it's the first day of the month, I'm, I'm planning out and creating 30 reels that I'm going to use that next month. So that's just really, and then po- you can do social media posts that way. You can work, you can make, you can even do, okay, Monday's my editing days. That's when I'm going to edit all the sessions I have to edit. Tuesday is my, whatever it is, album design day, but really having set time that we're batch working. Cause once you're in that headspace. It can be hard, depending on your personality, it can be hard to keep bouncing around throughout the entire day as opposed to being more productive if you just focus on one thing for that work day. And you don't work on, like, you don't work on Fridays, you said. So Correct, because my littlest is home with me on okay. Fridays. 
What do you have a morning routine? I get all so my <laughs> during this time of year, my husband is not here. He's in the football world. So I'm it's just me. So I get my little ones up and get everybody ready for school, drop off the big kids, and then get the little one to to Mother's Day out. And then when I go work out, then come home and then get ready to work. So if I have meetings or phone calls or anything like that, I try to schedule those very first so I can spend the rest of the Mother's Day out time, which is only a couple hours left, doing whatever tasks that we have that we've broken down into what needs to be done that day. And then very quickly turn around and go pick everybody back up at school. And then I'm just with my kiddos the rest of the evening. Mm. You make me tired. <laughs> it is very tiring. It's very tiring. And, and it's funny because I used to work at night. Like once they'd all go to bed, well, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to work at night. But now getting the older, I'm like, I my brain doesn't work anymore <laughs> at night. So I'm like, that's been really a good thing. Not as an Enneagram three, I could fill my whole day with work very easily. And enjoy it. Like I truly love to work, but also I, as I get older, I really learned the value of rest and the, and especially like with my own kids or even just myself, like at the end of the day, not filling my brain space with work all the time. And so that's been newer for me to, that I'm not working most nights. Like once everybody goes to bed, I don't work again until the next day. Okay. So I have one more question for you and then we'll do some fun questions. You've been in the industry for a while and I'm always, I guess it's, they say an ADD brain is always looking for patterns and always looking like way ahead. So I'm always thinking what's coming or what's next, or I see when there's something new in the industry, I see it trickle in and then everybody does it. And then there's something new. (laughs) So what changes have you seen? Have you noticed in our industry and what do you see coming? Is there anything (laughs) This is something my business partner, we talk about a lot, actually. I think over the years, the barrier to entry as a photographer has gotten so low because of technology and access to information, which is a great, I think there's so much, I love seeing small businesses pop up. I love like the freedom it gives, especially moms to have small businesses, but I do think it causes and has caused an insanely oversaturated market and there, it's always been there. I feel like every market has always been oversaturated, but I think the difference now that we see is that there are extremely talented photographers that are charging next to nothing, as opposed to when I, 15 years ago, it was a very clear line between, okay, that person's very good and they're They charge what they're worth. And then there's lower end ones that they're clearly like still learning and still growing. And that has become an issue. And I think it depends on your price point. If you're a more luxury based photographer, you're not affected by this, but I think the photographers that see it are those ones in that middle bucket because their clientele is choosing based off price a lot of times. And so if they see a photographer's work that they're both equally beautiful, but one's charging 200 and the other's charging 700, they're going to choose the 200. So to me, I feel like I've really seen a lot of that. And if you don't already have an established brand and following, you have to work a lot harder now to stand out. You can't just produce beautiful photos because everyone has beautiful photos now because it's gotten so easy with our technology and gear and education so accessible. So I think that's a lot of what I've seen within that middle bucket of photographers. And I think that's why a lot are struggling now. 
So how do you compete in that? If they're good and they're cheap, what do you do? What's your suggestion for setting yourself apart? I think that you've got to have more than pretty photos. You've got to have something else that makes you stand out. That isn't pretty photos. Doesn't cut it anymore. <laughs> like it used right. to and figuring out like, what's your unique gift? What can you offer the world that not everybody's doing and figuring out, I think because of social media, it's a constant game. Everybody's just copying one another. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's okay. Client wardrobe came out. No, everybody does a client wardrobe. Now, whatever came out, I think it's just a constant game of copy. What can like really think, how can you break the mold? What can you do? That's different, whether that's a service you're providing a different type of offering, a different, like a, your client experience is totally different. What can it be that is really breaking the mold and shaking things up? Because again, unless the photographers that have a really strong brand or, or, or following, it's just, it's going to be harder for new ones to jump in um, and compete and be sustainable and successful and profitable. And because I feel like the education for photography, this may be probably the problem too. There's so much education for photography that people take it. They're incredible photographers, but they don't have the business side down. They don't know that they're not profitable. And, but then by the time they do know, and they figure it all out, they move up in pricing. But now the next wave of newer photographers coming in again, incredible work. They don't know the business side, don't know they're not profitable undercharging. And so it's this constant game. If you're in that middle bucket. So I'd say number one, figure out how to stand out. Number two, get out of the middle bucket. Yeah, <laughs> That's like the hardest place you can be. And so really working through your pricing and everything like that and, and your brand and your brand, brand awareness to get out of that middle bucket. Oh, that's a whole episode, Katie. We're right. Back <laughs> and we'll talk about that. I could talk about that for an hour. Okay. For sure. I have some yeah, quick rapid fire questions for you. Favorite business book. It's a faith-based business book, but it's called She Works His Way. And it's incredible. Biggest business mistake. Ooh, I have one for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so a few years ago, I launched a resource for photographers without fully running the idea through my success markers that we've been talking about. And it had a lot of promise to be super successful, very profitable. But at the end of the day, it just didn't line up with how I define success. And so I was very fortunate that my business partner that came on at the time really challenged me right away and on, cause she saw it in me that she was like, this just doesn't line up with what you view as success. And so I shut it down after only launching it for six months. And so as the Enneagram three, there's pride that comes like mm. that's I think our biggest hang up, like there's pride of admitting, like, this wasn't right. This wasn't, I shouldn't have Again, it was a great offering for photographers, but, but on my end, it wasn't coming from the right place. And so it was a really great learning moment of really making sure that I am filtering everything I do through those success markers. What's your proudest accomplishment? So behind my computer that I'm looking at right now is this huge board of all the pictures, like tons and tons of pictures of our family. And I feel like hands down, that's my biggest accomplishment is them and then being able to create this business and proud of this business that I've been able to sustain for 15 years that has not only provided for them, but more importantly, has allowed me to be so present with them. Best advice you were ever given. I feel like that comes in the form of a quote, which is the most important work you will ever do is within the walls of your own home. Since I am a strong Enneagram three and love to work, I'm just always trying to keep in a 
eternal perspective and purpose right now. And that's discipling my children. What do you, well, that feeds into my last question. (laughs) What do you want your children to know? Um, As a Christian, I do feel like I can't answer this without really referencing that. Number one, I want them to know how much the Lord loves them and that this world is in our home, because I think knowing that is what really provides joy and chaos and also gives us freedom and perspective to love others well. And then secondly, something we really try to teach our children is, and want them to know is that we don't back down or shut down in adversity. Those are so good. Okay, Katie. So you have, you have content in our membership this month, which is really great. I watched it this morning. Okay. Um, about, um, three foundations of in-home newborn sessions. And so that is amazing, but I want you to tell everyone where they can connect with you and any resources that you want to share. Sure. So I am on Instagram, a very active there, and that's Katie Beth Lamb. And then my educational uh, website for photographers is just Katie Lamb, like the animal.com. Very good. There's lots of good stuff there. Everyone should go check that out. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for doing this with me today. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm going to get you back. We're going to talk more about being successful in a saturated market. Absolutely. That sounds fun. Thank you so much, Katie. You're such an amazing resource to our photography community. And as I mentioned, Katie has content inside of our membership. Our membership doors are currently closed, but we'd love to have you join our email list so that we can let you know when we have enrollment soon. You can join our email list at themotherhoodanthology.com. And while you're there, download our complimentary course titled How to Market to Fill Your Calendar, which I know we're all thinking about this time of year, thinking about next year. And currently, you can join our free community on Facebook at the Motherhood Anthology Community. In this group, you're going to find warm, open, and generous motherhood photographers to bounce ideas off and pull knowledge from. You may also connect with us at the Motherhood Anthology on Facebook and Instagram. I'd love to wrap up with this quote by Dwight D. Eisenhower. What is important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. So from Ireland to yours, until next time, friends.